The Winnipeg Jets have surprised a lot of people and find themselves near the top of the NHL standings. The Calgary Flames are looking to get back into the playoff hunt, and the New York Rangers have ended their losing streak. What are they going to do in order to win the Metropolitan Division? We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Well, the Winnipeg Jets are one of the hottest teams in the NHL, and we bring in Harrison Lee of Locked On Winnipeg Jets to talk about that. And Harrison, what did this team do so well during this winning streak? Well, uh, I think for one thing, you can arguably say that the goaltending uh, was a smash hit, but I think the the bigger storyline that has kind of been an emerging one since the start of the year, and that's really continued uh, during the winning streak and um, throughout a lot of the last few weeks of Jets hockey is just how good defensively this team is. Winnipeg, um, I think when you look at the defensive numbers compared to this year and last year, they generally concede like the same number of chances. The biggest difference is that every time the Jets make a mistake, they're a lot more aggressive in trying to correct it. Um, they they tr- they backtrack a lot more aggressively on odd man rushes. They try to recover the puck quickly. There's a sense of urgency every time the Jets have some sort of defensive lapse because they know, well, you know what? Hellebuck and Brassois probably can't save everything, but they've saved enough to concede three goals or less for uh, like the last 31, 32 games, something like that. So, you know, the Jets must be doing something pretty well. Um, and, you know, on the other side, offensively, Winnipeg, is getting nice contributions up and down the lineup so that, you know, even in the absence of guys like Kyle Connor, the team has generally been able to stay afloat. And it's it's amazing how the statistics for Hellebuck and Boursois are almost identical. Uh, 219 goals against versus 218, a 924 save percentage versus a 923. I, I think that really does point to how well the team is playing in front of them. Yeah, and like Hellebuck this year has eaten most of the starts, so, uh, you know, kind of factoring in that context, it's even crazier that he's maintained such a a high level of performance. And it's funny because, like, the start of the year was a little bit rough for him. He usually has, like, a few weeks where, you know, the offseason rust is is kind of kicking in his butt. But uh, since then, you know, along with the Jets, he's really taken off. And Winnipeg, you know, actually played pretty decently at the start of the year. It's just the goaltending wasn't quite there, both Brassois and Hellebuck. Uh, unfortunately, had a few early games where it was kind of like, ooh, you know, maybe uh, maybe this is the first year in a while where one or the other starts to struggle. But they, you know, have really picked it up. And uh, to, to, to put it lightly, Hellebuck is definitely in the Vesna conversation again. You know, you talk about team defense, and a lot of the time those guys don't get a lot of attention. The defensemen, the the checking forwards. Give me the names of some players who are really shining for the Jets that 
you know, fans of hockey, but not necessarily of the Jets may not be aware of. On the back end, I think one of the biggest guys to to really circle is going to be Dylan DeMello. Uh, DeMello is, uh, you know, he, he plays alongside Morrissey. So I think people have at least gotten, you know, some glimpse of him. He, you know, is a very effective two-way puck mover, but also one of our most defensively sound uh, skaters in general. He just seems to know where to be, you know, to shut down passing and shooting lanes. Uh, he'll he'll sacrifice the body for a block shot. Had a scary one the other day where I thought he might actually miss some time. He took it right on the inside of his knee, and that's never a place you want to get hit. Um, but thankfully, he he still does what he does and got back up on his feet, you know, came out of the, the locker room a few minutes later and was back on the ice. Um, other guys that I think people are going to be a little bit surprised by, um, Dylan Sandberg. You know, Sandberg has been really strong defensively, which – when he was drafted, I think that was kind of his profile. But the guy that he's paired with, um, you know, Nate Schmidt, I don't know that anyone really expected him to go from being a really offensive, attacking-minded blue liner to a guy who's become really defensively reliable. I feel like I've seen Schmidt put out more fires this year than I've ever seen in his career. I watched him a lot with the Caps. I even saw him during some of his Hershey days. And it's like, you know, his lack of mobility nowadays has kind of limited what he can do further up the ice. So I feel like he's adjusting his game to be, you know, more of a shutdown blue liner. And he's very good at it. He can still skate and, and still get the puck into some good areas, but perhaps not as, uh, not as mobile as he used to be. So I think that has definitely had an impact. I haven't mentioned Brendan Dillon yet, uh, but Dillon's having a renaissance season. Uh, but, you know, more than just defending, he's also attacking, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, always good if you can be effective at both ends of the ice. One area that does seem to be struggling for this team this year, the power play. What's going on with that and what can the Jets do to improve it? Well, you know, the power play is kind of an odd thing. I don't know what the instructions have been, but earlier this year, one of the biggest issues that they had was a lack of movement off the puck. Guys just weren't really uh, getting into good areas. They were sort of waiting for things to happen. And when you wait for PK Diamonds to make a mistake, you're not really going to generate offense that way. So the Jets have kind of tried to apply more pressure, be more active and, and proactively create offense. It's, it's still not great. One of the things that I think would be a very easy fix is when Shifley comes back from his uh, um, his groin tweak or whatever it was, just put him down in the slot. But I, I I get the sense he doesn't want to play there. I think that for some reason, compared to like 17, 18, he's not willing to do it now because they keep trying him on the half wall, and it's just not really the best use of his skills. When it comes to shooters on this team, if you put him in the slot on the power play, you're going to erase about half of this team's problems. Uh, he's just so, so, so good there, almost unstoppable. And then you factor in guys like Ehlers, Perfetti, Connor, whoever else. That is where I think you'd, you'd solve a lot of these scoring woes. The trade deadline is now less than two months away. The Jets are right in the thick of the fight for first place right now. What do you expect them to do, if anything, at the deadline? I've kind of waffled back and forth on this because, you know, week in and week out, it's actually a little hard to tell what the most impactful trades would be. Um, I think the Jets might pursue uh, maybe like a middle, middle six winger, perhaps a second line center if we're lucky. Maybe they try to upgrade the right side defense. I don't know if that's necessarily a concern for them. Uh, earlier this year, it would have been with Schmidt really struggling. I think the only question with it is, you know, money-wise, Schmidt's got a huge cap hit. It's going to limit the amount that you can do at the trade deadline. So I feel like Winnipeg 
might have to make some, you know, cap sacrifices. I know they need a spot for Heinola. Um, so there's a lot of weird balancing acts that they're kind of trying to deal with. And I think one of the most surprising things is that there's a lot of players getting called up or, you know, players who have been up for a couple of months now who you never would have thought would be staking a claim to a roster spot. Axel Janssen Fialbi, uh, Dominic Tenenato, neither of these guys had ever really looked to be full-time Jets players, but all of a sudden they came back this year and it's like they're different players, uh, which has made roster decisions very, very complicated. I mean, arguably Ayafalo and Kupari might not actually have spots on this team if the Jets dress their bets 12. So, uh, you know, you look at the the stats and everything and you're kind of like, really? You know, that's a little surprising. Um, but, you know, given how things are unfolding shift by shift and stuff, and it, it's been a much harder and a, a good problem to have, but a much harder problem than I think the Jets were anticipating. So trade deadline, I, I think there's a couple of things they might look at, but honestly, it wouldn't shock me if they try and, you know, maybe make a smaller acquisition than swinging for a home run. That could be what they do. So just a role player to solidify the depth. Yeah, yeah. I, I still feel like personally I would want them to swing big. I think this is probably the season to do it. You know, the West is uh, really the conference that feels like it's the strongest. Um, and I feel like, you know, given that and given the fact that the Jets have beaten most of the best teams in the West, you know, with Hellebuck playing at this level, you're just not going to get many years where all of this and your contract situations are all kind of aligning towards making a cup run. So for me, swing big, but knowing this team, they might not give us that sort of uh, trade. But maybe maybe there's a Stastny kind of deal somewhere. Uh, that is something the sh that Shovel Day Elf has done in the past. He's kind of hinted that he's looking at stuff right now, but, you know, whether he's ready to really go all in and cash in the chips it's, it's hard to say. I think we'll probably need to know in a few weeks as guys start getting healthier. Um, and, you know, Connor coming back, I think, will probably make at least one or two roster decisions. All right. We'll be interesting to watch, and I'm sure you'll be on top of it the rest of the season. Harrison, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? We are on all of the same platforms that Locked On NHL is. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, and to all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Of course, uh, you, got, you can see our social media for X. Uh, and we also have a, a dedicated account for Locked On Jets at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. All right, Harrison, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You could find bets in their new Explore tab, or you can head over to the Parlay Hub to make a parlay. That's the best place to find the most popular parlays. And there's a whole lot more. And look, you've got a lot more. You have pro and college basketball. Of course, you've got hockey. Check out the odds for your favorite team on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked on Flames, Jess Belmasto. And we have good timing here, Jess. Three in a row for the Calgary Flames, a team that's been struggling for consistency all season. 
What's been clicking over these last three games? The dad trip. Um, they're playing really well in front of their uh, dads and mentors and whoever they brought along on the trip. Uh, but I really do think it is the confidence uh, that they've just been able to build up from. I think truly the turning point was Jonathan Huberto getting a point in finally at the end of December. And it just felt like that was just kind of like when the floodgates opened, they were finally clicking on all sides. And, and, you know, how has Huberdeau done since finally getting off the schneid with that point? Um, He's done really well. I believe he's averaging uh, about a point per game. And that's not something we've seen from Jonathan Huberdeau in his tenure in Calgary thus far. So it's, it's refreshing. It makes a lot of the games a little bit easier to watch. I'm sure. Talk to me about Blake Coleman leading the team in goals, leading the team in points. What has he been doing so well that has him in this position? I truly think it is uh, the combination of his line mates. Mangiapane, Backlund, and Coleman, are. that's one of the strongest lines in hockey. They play a really good two-way game, and they. I don't know what it is. It's, again, this is... Blake Coleman's, I believe, third year in Calgary, and he, he, this is the best hockey he's played since he was in Tampa, and uh, I was listening to a post-game interview, and he just said, it's the confidence. He has that kind of, uh, he believes in himself, and so does everyone in the room, and it's great to see. Jacob Markstrom playing pretty well, 9-12 save percentage, 2.59 goals against. But backup goaltending has been an issue. Talk to me about where they are with their backup goalies and what, if anything, they plan to do to try to fix that issue. Yeah, so Dan Vladar is just not working in Calgary. It's um, He's just really struggling pretty much anytime he starts. And that's unfortunate because that means you are riding Jacob Markstrom a lot more than you would like to. But because he's so bad, uh, you can't really trade him. And he is one of the three or four uh, remaining pending UFAs. And realistically, you would like to call up Dustin Wolf so he does get a chance to settle in to the NHL and have 10 to 15 starts for the rest of the season. Do you think they can include him in some kind of a deal, like as a throw-in at the trade deadline? Or no, I, I, I feel like a team would have to be pretty. I hate saying this, but pretty desperate. Um, I, I understand that there's a lot of goaltending injuries going on right now, but what uh, Kevin Weeks tweeted on Friday about Jacob Markstrom, like keep an eye on him was kind of confirmed last night on Hockey Night in Canada by Elliot Friedman that the Flames are open to shopping him, but the offer has to be something pretty significant in order to make it work, especially because Marchand does have that no-movement clause. Do you think he would waive it for the right situation? I would I would say so. I think that he really wants to win, and I don't know if – that window is, you know, that's a possibility in Calgary um, for the remaining of his contract. So, you know, a team like Carolina, Toronto, 
and they'll probably have to get a third team in there for uh, to take on some cap, but we'll see. The power play has been struggling pretty much all year. I, I even see your face as I mention those two words, power play. <laughs> What's wrong with the power play, and what are they trying to do to to make it better? Uh, you know, Mark Savard was hired over the summer, and everyone was so excited because he was going to be taking over the power play, and he is one of uh, the brilliant minds in hockey, and everyone was so excited because it was a change. It was something new, and – someone that was familiar with the Flames organization. The issue I think has been that they're just, they're not moving. They're staying still and uh, the opponent is able to read what they're going to do and no one wants to shoot. Uh, I think it's definitely gotten better in the last week or so, but it's still not where you want it to be, especially with like on paper, you, you have a decent first power play unit. So it, it I don't know why it's not working, other than they're not moving. What does this team need to do to keep this winning streak going, or even just to play more consistent hockey and stay in the playoff race going forward? I would say that they just they need to build off of this momentum. That has been one of the biggest issues uh, this season and last season as well. They get going and then they just like hit the brakes. They slam on the brakes and they'll go. Uh, one or two games uh, where they'll lose and then win a couple. But they had that six-game skid at the start of the season. They can't afford to do that anymore. And I just, I really think that it's a matter of shooting the puck. I know how cliche that sounds, but this team is sometimes is allergic to shooting. They are very much a pass-first team and thank goodness for Igor Sharangovich who has really been able to kind of snap that uh, snap them out of it trade deadline now less than two months away you guys are sort of hanging on the fringes of the playoff race do you think they are sellers buyers or it, it depends on what happens in the next six weeks I think it depends this whole season has been a waiting game and Craig Conroy, uh, the general manager, did an interview with The Athletic last week. And it really is a wait-and-see game because he wants to make sure that his guys are taken care of, but also what he's getting in return, like, they're comfortable. And he's playing it very safe and friendly. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily the best approach, but you do have to take care of your players. And I just, I think that, one move we will see for certain is Elias Lindholm. He will be traded between now and then. If they were to add, what would they be looking to add? Someone that can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think that's kind of really where they're at. And especially it's going to come down to Noah Hannafin's potential extension too. We've kind of been primed that that's going to happen anytime now. And so maybe they're going to need something on the back end as well as a forward. But I do think that they could get away with um, some internal moves uh, in terms of forwards. But defense, they're going to need some help. All right, Jess, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? 
Yes, yeah, so you can find Locked On Flames wherever you listen to Locked On NHL um, on your favorite podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And you can follow me on X at Jess Belmosto. All right, Jess, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and their best price guarantee, so Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. My favorite feature of Game Time, you go on the app, you could see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last-minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New York Rangers, John Chick. And John, big win for the Rangers on Sunday, getting off the schneid, ending the losing streak. How important was this victory for the Rangers? It was a big one. I'd say it's right up there with uh, probably their biggest wins so far this season because up until recently, they hadn't really uh, faced any adversity for the most part this season. Uh, Prior to this four-game skid that they just thankfully ended a little bit earlier today, their longest losing streak of the entire season was two games, and that had only happened once. I mean, that's how good they've been. That's how consistent they've been. That's how uh, well they've done at responding to losses in the past. But, you know, you play two games. I, I don't think there are too many teams that can get through a season without going through uh, at least one or two rough patches here and there where things just aren't really clicking. And uh, that was the case for the Rangers. But thankfully, uh, they were able to grind one out today. And, you know, as much as I would like to see them just beat the Capitals 5 nothing, you know, earlier today, I, I almost feel like a win like this where you really have to fight for it, you really have to battle to hang on in the end I think in some ways maybe that can be more beneficial to the team going forward that they really had to earn this um wasn't perfect but they, they found a way to get it done big game for Igor Shesterkin and um yeah hopefully uh this uh is the um beginning of the turnaround here where uh, they get back on track and, and start winning again what wasn't clicking during this four game slump uh yeah it was a little bit of everything I mean Igor Shesterkin was not playing his best hockey at that time um he had gone through a stretch not too long before that where he won five in a row and only allowed eight goals in that time, but then he kind of fell off again. He's been a little bit up and down so far this season. I think also uh, something that's really hurt them is they've struggled mightily. I mean, it's kind of been on and off all season, but it's been really bad in this four-game losing streak. They've struggled with defending the rush. It feels like there's certain games where they do everything but roll out the red carpet through the neutral zone for some of these teams. You know, they just kind of zip right through, and it's just kind of hard to figure out because you know Adam Fox missed some time earlier this season, And when he was gone, it really felt like the Ranger defensemen uh, really played some great hockey. You know, they all stepped up. It kind of like galvanized them. It was kind of a call to arms. And since Fox has been back, I'm not saying that like, oh, that's why. I mean, obviously, Adam Fox being back is a good thing. But I don't know. It it just feels like maybe they've lost their edge a little bit, some of the other defensemen. And there's been too many times where teams are just getting through the neutral zone with no resistance and, um, you know, scoring. And the other big thing I would say is that 5v5, the Rangers basically have one line that can do damage offensively 5v5. And that's the Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere line. 
Uh, Mika and Kreider, you know, they're together and they've had a lot of different right wingers with them this season, but they got hot for a while, but they haven't done enough 5v5. And the bottom six, I mean, if they score a goal, you might want to play the lottery that day too, because it just doesn't happen very often right now. You know, they're they're just not going to give you a lot of offense. Good defensive forwards, but not a lot of offense coming from those guys. Were you surprised that Igor Shesterkin was chosen as the Rangers all-star game representative? Uh, a little bit. You know, I, I think um, the, the first thing, when it, when the news first broke, I think myself and a lot of Ranger fans had the same reaction as, how is Artemi Panarin not the Ranger all-star, right? Um, but as it turns out, uh, it sounds like he told the NHL that he wasn't planning on going because as it turns out, you know, his his wife is pregnant right now with their second child. So that being the case, he's not going to go play in what is a, a fun, you know, game, a fun little tournament that they do, but ultimately a meaningless exhibition. So he wasn't going to be there. Rangers need somebody else. Uh, they end up picking Igor Shesterkin. I think my personal choice would have probably been Vincent Trocek. You can make some cases for some other guys as well. Um, but Igor's got the reputation. He has played well at times this season. I, I was a little bit surprised, though. Um, you could have made a case for a lot of different guys there. And do you think he's really close to being consistently back to the Igor Shesterkin we knew last year and for most of his NHL career? Yeah, I mean, you know, overall, I, I do think he'll eventually get there. But, you know, we are halfway through the season. There have certainly been ups and downs uh, along the way. Obviously, he had an injury. I, I think that kind of uh, tripped him up a little bit. You know, these these pro athletes and, and hockey players, they're such creatures of habit. And I think especially goalies, such a mentally and physically uh, demanding position. And like I said, he had that stretch not too long ago uh, where he went 5-0, and only gave up the eight goals in that time, and was beating good teams, high-powered teams like Boston, uh, Toronto. There was another good team in there, too, another really good team. It's kind of escaping me right now. But the bottom line, he's playing really well uh, against some really elite teams. So he's got it in him, um, and I think eventually he'll get there. But you just hope that uh, his best hockey, and that's not to say he's been bad this year because that's not the no. case at all. But you just hope that his best hockey is still in front of him. And I think it is, you know, based on what we've seen uh, from Igor thus far in his NHL career. Now, all of a sudden, it's a battle. Carolina is right behind the New York Rangers. How do you think this team responds? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you want to get too caught up with looking at the standings every day. Um, you know, that that's for us to do, right? Hopefully the players just go out there and uh, they, they focus on winning and losing and doing what they can do to, you know, control their own destiny. Um, as far as, you know, the um, the divide between the Rangers and the Canes and even some other Metro teams closing, I'm not like shocked by it because, you know, there, there's 82 games. It's a long season. And this stuff is always going to fluctuate. I mean, yeah, the Rangers had a nice lead there, but to think that they were just going to, you know, be in first place by 10 or more points the entire season, I don't think that was ever really going to happen. It's just too good of a uh, division. There's too many good teams in it. It's too competitive of a league. Eventually, it's going to tighten up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rangers, uh, obviously be nice to win the division and get uh home ice for at least a couple of rounds there. Um, but, um, I, I think, you know, this, this is kind of a kind of inevitable that eventually, uh, things would tighten up a little bit. And obviously the Rangers still in the driver's seat, they've got everything in front of them. And, uh, you hope that today was the beginning of a turnaround here. So the trade deadline is less than two months away. Obviously the Rangers are going to be gunning for a Stanley cup and a long playoff run at the very least. What moves do you see them doing? What are they looking for come the trade deadline and who may they trade away? So for the longest time, uh, I felt that the Rangers' biggest need was right wing. 
And you could still make that argument that that still could be the case. But you've had Lafreniere move from left wing to right wing this season, and he's playing the best that he's ever played since uh, being in the NHL with the Rangers. So that's obviously been really nice to see. Um, So that takes away the need at least a little bit, the fact that Lafreniere has done well over there. But as far as the Mika and Kreider line, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, it's been a revolving door this season on that line. You had Kako there, you had Wheeler there. Get Brodzinski there, back to Wheeler, and now Kako was back out there with them today. Uh, Will Cooley, even the game before, you know, before Kako got back, he got a game with them. So I would think maybe, you know, a top-end right winger, if they can afford a, such a player and keep themselves underneath the salary cap, that's definitely an option. But I think the thing that might be an even bigger option, or a b- bigger need, rather, is center. Because Philip Hedl, it it's so hard to know. I mean, he, he's, got, he's had the concussions, and he's been out for so long. We don't know when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back, what's going to happen there. And right now, you know, you still have a good one-two punch with Mika and Trocek. But man, if if anything happens to one of those two, now you've got like Bonino or like Goodrow or like Johnny Brodzinski centering a top six line. And that's not going to be an ideal situation. Nothing against those guys, but you want, you know, a center with more offense. So looking at it that way, I, I just get the feeling that, you know, they might make a run at a center and it doesn't have to be a superstar player. Really anybody that can give, uh, any kind of offense might help a little bit, you know, center the third line. Uh, two names that I toss out not too long ago were um, Adam Henrique and then also Sean Monahan. I, I think they both make some sense. And you know, I'm going to dive into that a little bit later on future episodes of Locked On Rangers. But yeah, I mean, I, I think for sure center or right wing, those seem to be the two biggest areas of need. All right, John, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find uh, the podcast wherever you're watching this episode or listening to this episode, whatever it might be. We're on YouTube. We're on every audio streaming platform that you can think of. And as for me, you can find me on social media, uh, on Twitter, or X, I guess it is now, at jchick17. And uh, then you've also got the show's handle, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And uh, yeah, definitely give us a follow and um, say hi. And uh, it's always good to you know, talk to some hockey fans and just talk Ranger hockey. All right, John, thanks so much. You got it, Gil. Thanks for having me. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. I want to thank my guest, Harrison Lee of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, Jess Belmasto of Locked On Calgary Flames, and John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers. I am Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, and I also co-host the Friday edition along with Rachel Donner. Don't forget, we are here every Monday through Friday, bringing you the biggest stories from around the NHL. So make sure you join us for that. Until then, stay safe, everybody. And thanks so much for listening to and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.